in his 50s, for reasons that are still not clear, stabbed five people outside a school in Dublin, Ireland, including three children. And then almost immediately after, parts of that city erupted into rioting. What exactly is going on here? Well, the Washington Post stepped in, helpfully, to explain. And here's the tweet the Washington Post sent out. Quote, online rumors claimed the perpetrator of a stabbing attack was an immigrant. The BBC found that the man was an Irish citizen who had lived in the country for 20 years. Police blamed, quote, a lunatic faction driven by far-right ideology for the riot in Dublin. That was the Washington Post's explanation. But actually, the man was an immigrant. He was from Algeria. And as it turns out, he's been living in Ireland for 23 years at public expense. He has never had a job. And then last week, unaccountably, he stabbed children. Well, many people in Ireland are absolutely sick of this. It's happening by design. That country has been completely transformed by immigration. It's not the Ireland you remember at all. And going forward, anyone who complains about that or questions government policy will be guilty of a felony. The new hate speech laws are coming to Ireland. No complaining about it. And of course, it's not just Ireland. It's across the West. What does this mean? What is happening here? And what's the right response to it? We thought it'd be worth talking to Steve Bannon. He's the host of War Room, an old friend of ours. It's his birthday today, by the way. Happy birthday, Steve. Um, Thank you, Tucker. So it seems like Ireland's, a, of course, a small country, an island uh, in Western Europe, but it seems like this is kind of a, a, almost a metaphor for what's happening across the West. What do you make of the rioting there and the government's response to it? Well, look, you've been to Hungary. You know, Viktor Orban has led this fight for years and um, has tried to get his country, the sovereignty of it, to stay away from what's happening in Germany and places like Ireland. Ireland's probably one of the worst, if not the worst, because the political class has totally sold out the people. You know, they've had, I think, 125,000 immigrants in the last year. That That is the same equivalent if all of Joe Biden's 9 million illegal alien invaders here in our country all came within one year. That's that's what that's the impact it's had on Ireland. And they're all on the public dole. There's been a hundred thousand Ukrainians in what the eighteen months or twenty months since the war started. A hundred thousand Ukrainians all on the public dole, all paid for uh out of the Irish budget. Now some of that money's given by the EU, but the Irish politicians are by far the worst that are bought off uh by the EU. They're the biggest globalists. They've sold out the sovereignty of of the Irish and you're seeing a natural blowback, and you're really seeing it among working class people in the cities, Irish nationals, Irish citizens, whose family have been there for generations and generations and generations and have nothing to show for it, and also in the rural communities. So Ireland is a powder keg. And I think what you saw the other day in the response by the Garda, the response by the authorities was immediately to go after Conor McGregor and other folks who were saying, hey, we need to address this. We need to, your 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 proclamations are no longer good enough. We need to see a plan of action because there's been enough of these um, these immigrants attacks on, on citizens, including a year ago uh, where there was, a, I think, a murder of a, a school teacher uh, by an immigrant. So the Irish people, I think, have had a belly full of it. But you're seeing this is this is across the West. And it started with a mass uh, immigration in the 60s and 70s, but really been picked up since the Syrian civil war and what the Germans did back in 2014. So the Irish government is trying to replace the population of Ireland with people from the third world, obviously. But why? What's the justification for that? Ireland was never a colonial power. These are not people they once ruled coming back to the mother country. Um, the same people have lived in Ireland for thousands of years. They have a native population and they're being replaced. Why would someone want to do that, you think? I think you're seeing I think you're seeing this because the political class is very tied to Brussels, the political class. And there's really no true opposition party. When you think from a populist nationalist perspective, they've got a couple of uh, small parties that are starting to grow. Of course, you got Sinn Féin, who's uh, the political arm or the IRA, who are more and more taking on a nationalistic uh, bent. You've got a couple of small parties, one's kind of Trump inspired uh, to combat this. But I think these people are seeing, you know, and look. You talk about the great replacement theory and people, all, oh, you know, people get very upset when you talk about it. But you just look at the math. This it's has happened theory. across Europe. It's happened in Germany. This is why Orban has been so singled out. Um, this is why, quite frankly, Georgia Maloney, who, you know, was one a person who we supported a lot when she got in there because the EU was going to cut Italy off for money, really backed off a lot on this immigration policy. 
the Germans and uh, the people in Brussels, the party of Davos, just doesn't think the working class um, European population is very controllable. They think they're dangerous. They think they're the cause of these world wars in World War One and World War Two. And so they've always been uh, they've tried to control them every way possible. Now they're using immigration. And Ireland is one of the worst examples. And that's why it's a powder keg. It does seem like there's race hate at the bottom of it. I, I can't think of a better explanation. I mean, there have been wars in Africa, you know, sort of every week for my entire life. And no one's saying we've got too many Africans in Nigeria. Let's replace them with Indians or something. No one would even think to say that. But poor Ireland, which didn't really do anything wrong on the world stage that I'm aware of, is, I mean, in 100 years, there'll be, you know, a, a minority of Irish people in Ireland. That's a big change. And it's on purpose. How could anyone read that as anything but an expression of, of hate? Right. Contempt for their working class, for the working class of Ireland. This is why, Tucker, I think they're cracking down so hard. You've seen what they've tried to do to Viktor Orban, who's kind of become the leader of this, the, the political and intellectual, public intellectual leader of this. They've tried to isolate him for years, although he's been right about the Ukraine war. He's been right about uh, what happened in Germany in 2014, about the sovereignty of his country and the sovereignty of his people. But in Ireland, they've taken it to a next level. I mean, they immediately came out and they're prosecuting right now, I should say, investigating Conor McGregor uh, for hate speech, for some tweets he put out. And a couple of statements he made The the Garda came out and they've arrested 30 people. And their whole focus is on the prosecution, on the prosecution of the people that stood up to this and the people that, quite frankly, were angry about it. The entire focus has been after going after the population and to try to cow them, to try to say, no, if you stand up to this, you stand up to the political class, if you have an opinion, right, which, you know, you should have a free speech. But if you have an opinion, that's going to be hate speech. And those hates that hate speech law. Uh, has many years in prison associated with it. So they have cracked down not on immigration crime, not on the uh, homelessness situation, the lawlessness, the breakdown of law and order. They have focused on the Irish people to really put their 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 focus on. And look who's doing it. I mean, the head of the Irish government and the chief of police. If a government makes it a crime to criticize that government's policies, then it's not by definition a free country, is it? Uh, I think you're absolutely correct. And I think you're seeing that here in the United States. I mean, as you know, I mean, you're, you're hounded all the time. If you have a different opinion from the state, right, they're trying to criminalize that. And they're doing that, trying to do that every day here in the United States. It's one of the reasons that if they can't criminalize it to actually use the courts and the uh, police state like the FBI to come after you, they'll basically partner with big tech to either deplatform you or to other you. Uh, we're seeing this here in the United States. It, and this is just about the situation of the problem. Think about the solution. I keep telling people, hey, think downrange to 2025. If we're able to win and closing that win, think of the issues we have to deal with, not just in the budget, but with the deportations. I mean, we have 9 million or 8 or 9 million here today just on Biden's watch. Center for Immigration Studies says we're going to have another 6 million by the time we get to the election next year. That's 14 or 15 million I think illegal alien invaders are coming because they've gamed the asylum system. My belief is those people have to go home. They have to be returned. They have to leave our country or we're not going to have a country. Uh, you're going to see hate speech law. You're going to see, I mean, even the discussion about this over the last couple of weeks with the people at Project 2025 and Stephen Miller and others have all of a sudden got the, the media saying, oh, we're setting up concentration camps. This is going to be worse than the Japanese in World War II, all of that. And that's just even mentioning the concept of it. So uh, the the issue of how it happened and it's happening every day in the country is bad enough. And if you stand up to it, you know, you're, you're called a nativist, a xenophobe, a racist, uh, you know, a, a domestic terrorist, a violent extremist. But if you even start to uh, bring up what's going to happen for, th for a solution, like in Midtown Manhattan, where you have to empty out the Roosevelt Hotel and those folks have to go home, uh, it's going to get 10 times worse. And so I hope people that watch your show appreciate the fact uh, particularly maybe people that are not that political, that we're going to have and not just turbulence. We're going to have a firestorm in this country that is going to pale in comparison, I think, to what you saw in Ireland last week. So, I mean, if you're born in a country where your ancestors were also born and you've paid your taxes and obeyed the laws and participated in civic life, voted, volunteered, sent your kids to school, supported the schools, I think it's fair to call it your country, right? And if your government, which hates you, 
lets in tens of millions of people illegally and then pays for their lives, it's fair to say your country's being stolen from you. I, I don't, is it not? Or am I missing something? I don't, I don't think these are just like semantic questions. These are like deep questions of principle. I mean, isn't that fair to say? I think it's a question of principle. I also think you gave a speech the other day. It said, hey, it's just kind of common sense. People just trust your gut. People know that something's quite wrong here in the country and throughout many countries of the world. This is What you just laid out is pretty common sense. If, if, you're, if your family's been here for many generations, you've helped to build the civic society, the underpinnings of this society by just being a good householder, by being a good citizen. If you've served this country, if you've paid the taxes, you have a stake in the country. You have something here. And it, obviously with, you know, Ann Coulter thinks, you know, she estimates there's 40 to 50 million illegal aliens here. Just there's we know there's nine or 10 just on Biden's watch. If you just even talk about the mathematics of that, they come after you for a great replacement theory. What's obvious, just common sense of what's going on. You just look around and you look around in the great cities of the United States right now. I mean, Chicago is basically uninhabitable. New York City, Midtown is virtually uninhabitable in many areas. San Diego Airport was taken over this weekend by, I don't know, four or 500 illegal aliens who were here who kind of came in an asylum, but nobody, you know, people are now, blue states are, sh are shifting around, are paying millions of dollars to send them from Chicago to other places. It's obvious what's out there. Uh, the issue is who has the courage to step forward and say, okay, um, we have to have a program to stop this immediately. And we also have to have a uh, another program to basically get these people out of the country. We don't have a sovereign country. Even someone as powerful as you at the time on, I would argue, the most powerful news network were attacked viciously. And one of the reasons you were attacked is that to come after you and to say, hey, we can even get a Tucker Carlson if he brings this topic up and try to other him, that gets everybody else quiet. It puts fear in people. They don't want to talk about it at work. They're quite, uh, they're, they're very uh, concerned about talking about it on the campaign trail. Uh, in the halls of Congress, look at this right now on the Ukrainian deal to get another $80 million for the money laundering operation in Ukraine. The Republican Senate is going to do a couple of cosmetic things on the asylum program just to try to sell it to the American people. There's no talk at all about really sealing the border right now. There's no talk about moving the House of Representatives down to McAllen, Texas. And you just you just you you hold the House of Representatives there until the border is sealed, till the Rio Grande Valley is safe. Anytime it's brought up, it's considered a mortal sin uh, to the uh, to the uh, the globalist, to the uniparty. And they're going to make it only uh, this is one thing. And I'm sure I want to emphasize <laughs> this is only going to get worse. It is not going to get better. The Center on Immigration Studies says that we will have another four to six million illegal alien invaders under this gamed asylum law here before Election Day of next year. And already we know this is costing us a half a trillion dollars of money we don't have and money, quite frankly, is not budgeted. That's why Eric Adams in New York, a sanctuary city, he wants a five billion dollar bailout. And because the Republicans and the MAGA are saying no chance, you're a sanctuary city. You asked for this. You got it. You got to pay for it. The police department, there's going to be cut by 20 percent. The education in New York's going to be cut by a billion dollars. So this is getting to be a national crisis, but still you get demonized if you even bring it up. And this is what you're seeing in Ireland. I think the tension among working class people, when nobody represents them, nobody can talk about it. And even people like Conor McGregor that come out are immediately prosecuted or investigated at least for hate speech. I feel like I'm a pretty balanced person emotionally. And maybe I'm flattering myself, but I don't think I'm a radical or not. But look at what's going on. They're telling American citizens who were born here have an abortion, go ahead, you know, and end your life with euthanasia, make sure your kids are trans. They're basically doing everything they can discourage people from leaving, leading longer lives and having more kids. Here's some fentanyl, here's some SSRIs. And then they're telling the rest of the third world move here. I mean, what's the message of that? I mean, the message seems really clear. Am I missing something? Why, why wouldn't people start to get no, it's very clear. radical once they figure this out and it's not hard to figure I think out i think it's i think it's very clear and also the scale of it on d-day uh uh in 1944 there was 150,000 men to hit the beach that day right and that's looked at as the biggest uh military maneuver military movement in american history 150,000 men we have 
almost two times that every month coming across the border. We have equivalent of 35 combat divisions, combat division being about 10,000 men. The scale of this is incredible, and there's no discussion about it. And obviously, they make uh, everything, just like every Maoist revolution or every uh, Marxist revolution, focus on breaking the nuclear family and and to make sure in this country, quite frankly, that uh, people can't reproduce with anything like the replacement population, you know, the yeah. number 2.1 percent uh, or 2.1 uh, children per family. And they not just welcome in, they have created a system and they gamed an entire asylum system, w- which was set up to pr- prevent this, that you just because of economic necessity or wanting a better life, which are wonderful things. And I don't blame the people coming up. If I was in that situation, I would too, but that's not what our asylum system and immigration system was supposed to do. They purposely went and gamed that system, not just to make it easy as possible, but then to fully finance it. And if you look at the the situation we are economically, no, Tucker, (laughs) we passed $33 trillion of debt on 18th September, on the morning of the 18th of September. Right now, we're basically 60 days away from that. We're at $33.8 trillion. We will pass $34 trillion, I estimate, on the 28th of December. A hundred days after hitting 33, we'll pass $34 trillion. We are beyond broke. We are technically a bankruptcy right now. And we're doing this all in foreign money and just fiat currency that is, that is created. And you see, look at Argentina. Argentina is the example of what's going to happen here in the United States. And yet we're letting in, you know, 10 to 15 million new additional illegal alien invaders. And and the corporate class wants it because they want to drive down wages at the lowest possible level. And quite frankly, they want bigger markets. They want more consumers. And so this situation is going to cause a political revolution in this country. This has been lingering out there and talked about. It was part of Trump's rise in in 16. But the, the issue is five times worse today, both on the immigration part of it and the financial part of it. And so this is going to come to a head, not just in the 24 campaign. People in your audience, and particularly those under 35 years old, just you're a Russian serf. You, you don't own anything and you're not going to own anything. And the financial situation in this country is only going to get worse in the confrontation with the invasion of this nation by illegal aliens, exacerbated by radicals and globalists, is going to be is going to be you know if you if you think the protest they've got outside of Columbus Circle today is bad you haven't seen anything yet 2025 and beyond and for years there's no magic wand that you're going to sit there and this is going to go away people have to understand this is like Damocles' sword over the head of this nation and it's going to take us at least a decade of tough decisions tough people tough but fair people to sort this out. I mean, at some point, again, you just worry about unrest because they've kind of kept the lid on this by, you know, threatening to arrest people, I suppose, but mostly by calling them white supremacists or anti-Semites or whatever. You know, at a certain point, people say, well, I'm actually not those things at all. And you're not going to intimidate me anymore. And you're wrecking my country and you're attacking me for being white. And I, why would I put up with that? And they're going to get radical. Like, why would that not happen? I think that also, I think it's a, it's also a class thing. This is why I think you see many Hispanic men and many uh, African American men now coming to this, coming to the, the MAGA movement or the America First movement. One of the things that hasn't worked, they have demonized Trump and demonized this movement is that we're trying to take democracy away. You're a fascist. I'm a fascist. We're the leaders of a new fascist uh, program. Trying to take democracy when people away look at themselves by listening to what ahead, the population the, the, wants. I love that. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. When people look at it, when people look at it, they say, hey, I'm not a bad person and I'm not asking for something that's terribly aggressive. I just want my community to be my community. I don't want to be flooded with illegal aliens that are taking jobs, causing crime, adding to homelessness. And quite frankly, we can't pay for them. We can't pay for their education. We can't pay for their health care. We can't pay for their housing. We can't pay for the stipend and the phones. We can't do it. And people look and say, hey, they're calling me a fascist every day. They're calling Tucker Carlson and, 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 and Donald Trump and Steve Bannon and many, many others uh, leaders of a fascist movement. Well, I don't feel like a fascist. I feel like it's common sense. I think that's the power of your speech the other day. You said, hey, just look around. Just trust your gut. Just look around and see. It's, it's something feels very wrong, feels very different in America. And if you even go back a few years ago to the debates we used to have in Obama's first term, they almost seem kind of naive. They seem very, you know, they, oh, Obamacare and they, they, the, the scale of the problem has gone up. The complexity of the problem has gone up and the viciousness 
of I think a, it's like the um, it's like the Bourbon aristocrats in uh, in pre-revolutionary France. They said you know they didn't know anything and they didn't learn anything, right? Exactly. That's the that's the kind of uniparty uh, public intellectual and the elites we have. They're dug in. And I don't think it's working. I think you're seeing that in the polling numbers. I also think you're seeing it in just culture. There's there's a change of people coming to our side say, yes, we should put America first. And it's importantly, we should put American citizens first. And I think that's the big tectonic plate shift we're seeing. But man, it's gonna be it's gonna be quite a fight for the next, I don't know, five or ten years. It's gonna let, take that long to work through this. Let, last question. Um you've mentioned Conor McGregor a couple of times. So he's of course the MMA fighter. He's been very vocal on social media about what's happening in Ireland, and he seems to be alluding to his getting into politics, taking over Ireland. How how would you assess that? What do you think of him and what he's saying? I think I call him, I put it up on social media. I think he's an Irish patriot. Look, he's got some rough edges. I'm Irish, right? He's got some rough edges, but I think people in times of turmoil look to people who are fighters. You know, I think it was uh, Churchill that said courage is the most important of all the virtues because it's it, it's on virtue that all the uh, it's on courage that all the other virtues rest. I think you're seeing, you know, he didn't have to do this by being so vocal. He put himself out there as a target, just like you. Once you're out there, if you step forward and say, hey, this is not right. This is what we have to do. We have to think about the country and we have to think about the country's citizens first. All of a sudden you're a target. He could have a great life. He's, you know, he's launching pubs. He's a he's an internationally known guy. It's like Trump. You could go do other things. You don't need this. He's doing this, I think, for his great love of Ireland and the Irish people. And like I said, he's got some rough edges. But remember, in what I call a fourth turning in turbulent times, you're going to have the Donald Trumps of the world step forward. You're going to have the Conor McGregor's. Those are the people that are going to come through in times of turmoil. This is not these are not era where people that have worked in the state legislature and just punched all their tickets are, are really, I think, what people are looking for. They're looking for people that are courageous, and we'll have to see Conor McGregor. Look, they're going to come after Conor McGregor, I mean, hard. They're going to do the hate speech thing. I think they're also going to limit the ability of people to go in in our Ireland like they've tried to do in England because I think the, the political class there is petrified about some new party coming up that's more populist nationalist. We've seen it. In a number, you've seen it all over the world. You've gone and interviewed people from Spain to Brazil to Argentina. It's interesting that the biggest lid they put on this is in Great Britain and in Ireland. Remember, right. the Tories are worse. The Tories are 10 times worse than establishment Republicans. You still don't have, even with Nigel, you know, you still don't have a populist nationalist party that's really risen as an alternative. And in Ireland, they will, they will do that. Corrupt political class will do anything Brussels wants, anything Davos wants to make sure that there's no chance for that party to 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 come up. And the first thing they'll do, they'll attack national figures like Conor McGregor that say, hey, we got to really start putting the Irish people first. Yeah, they hate themselves so much. It's just remarkable uh, to watch it. Steve Bannon, again, happy birthday. Thanks a lot for doing this. It's great to see you. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me on. Love the show. Thank you. Conor McGregor, Ireland's next Prime Minister. Mr. Reagan. Conor McGregor is currently being investigated by the Irish police for so-called hate speech for siding with the rioters the other day who wreaked a little bit of havoc in Dublin. And here's the thing. Havoc was wreaked. Three buses were burnt by the rioters. At least 13 shops were looted. 11 Garda vehicles were destroyed. Now look, I don't personally like seeing that kind of thing. I don't think that's the best way to protest. However, this was justified. The reason for these riots was actually the attempted murder of three small children. An immigrant who has yet to be named or even described by authorities stabbed three children and a woman, and this obviously outraged the public. Of course, the media 
wouldn't talk about him, wouldn't talk about how he was an immigrant. They sort of hid that from the public. And that was frustrating and outrageous to everyone, as well it should be, because there is no transparency in the media anymore. They want to hide everything that might indicate that immigration is a problem. Consider if this madman had been a white Irishman. We would know everything about this guy already. Preliminary indications are that a male attacked a number of people on Parnell Square East. Five casualties have been taken to hospitals in the Dublin region. These casualties include three young children, an adult female and an adult male. One girl aged five years has sustained serious injuries and is currently receiving emergency medical treatment in CHI Temple Street. I looked across the road and I seen a man in a stab of motion with a load of children. So I flew across the road and um, he, the man was after stabbing two, two, two children as far as I could make out. And of course people were not rioting just because of this incident. This was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. The immigration problem has become so severe in Ireland that we've hit a point of critical mass and the people's outrage needed to be expressed. The way in which the incident was reported um, of the two little girls being stabbed and the care worker and the whole thing that happened, the Irish media, Irish Times leapt on the uh, opportunity to say this was somebody who was a naturalised citizen, he'd been here for 20 years. You could almost feel the sort of tension in the Irish media elite saying, don't go there on the immigrant question, don't yes. go there, even though... Dublin is a small town in the capital city, and uh, word had spread that what this person looked like. And so there, there quite quickly became this sort of tension of they're not telling us the truth. Right. They're not, they are, they're, they're lying, you know, they're going to spin this a certain way. There's also the case that, you know, Dublin uh, has had a lot of problems, well, the whole of Ireland has, but in particular Dublin with housing um, and, you know, as, whether you want to call them the left behind, the sort of working class, whatever, there's a you know, section of people still living in Dublin and on the outskirts who are extremely <laughs> destitute, extremely poor and extremely ticked off with the sort of Dublin four set yeah. um, pretending like nothing is nothing is wrong. There's real tensions yeah. um, in that city and that has also fed into it sort of spilling out. So you see, in this case, I do believe that the people of Ireland have a right, not only a right, but a duty to be outraged at the changes to their society by this mass immigration that they did not vote for, but that politicians decided for them that they would be subject to. They have been subjected to radical cultural changes that they did not ask for. They have been subjected to acute housing shortages, which they did not ask for. They have been subjected to increased crime, vicious crime, which they did not ask for. And now you're not allowed to even talk about this. Conor McGregor, the famous boxer and UFC champion, has tweeted out a flurry of messages supporting the Irish outrage at this stabbing and criticizing the immigration problem in Ireland. His comments reflect the frustration and the outrage of Irishmen, and I believe that he has become, as sometimes happens with our hometown heroes, the voice of the people. But there is a solution. So, Conor McGregor is being investigated by the Irish police for hate speech. So, let's look at some of his tweets, and let's find that hate, shall we? So in one tweet he wrote, I don't care about President Higgins' statement, or Varakar's statement, or Mary Lou's, or Justice McKinty's, or Garda Commissioner's. Announce our plan of action. What are we waiting for? Your statements of nothing are absolutely worthless to the solving of this issue. Take action. Fix the situation immediately. Oh, ooh, so hateful. Send that man to prison. Now, about the man who stopped the attacker, a Brazilian immigrant, Conor McGregor wrote this. The working man is the real hero. Bravo, our Brazilian brother in Ireland, working hard, earning a living, and contributing to Irish society. This is it. We love, appreciate, and respect you greatly. Thank you so much. Ciao, Benicio. You are forever free to eat at my establishment. Hashtag hero. Arrest that man. How dare he write such hateful hate speech? Conor McGregor, you are a monster. <laughs> Reacting to some of the more opportunistic scoundrels that were out and about the night of the Dublin riot, coincidentally immigrants, 
McGregor wrote this. Despicable scenes last night in Dublin city centre. People looting shops amidst the anger and rage Ireland has for many of the failed policies of the government. Has this regime ever had even one successful policy? Health service in shambles, abominable housing crisis, immigration wide open, climate hypocrisy rubbed in our face, danger in our streets at an all-time high. Can we point to any successes? We can lambast these wasters looting and damaging our streets last night, and we will. But when it passes, the spotlight shines again firmly on the many all-failed policies of this Irish government. We are awaiting action. The families of those grieving are waiting. We will not forget. You will not brush this under the rug. We stand with those in mourning, make change, or make way. And about the PM's immigration policy, Connor wrote, he is actually not asking them for permission to plant multiple busloads of people in the dead of night inside their community. Instead, he's telling them. Well, it now seems from below, said communities are not going to ask him if they may stop them. How do we feel? I feel transparency is the answer. Full information should be attained and divulged to gain support from the communities of Ireland for this new peculiar procedure that has began over the course of this year, 2023. Without it, fear, panic, unrest. Can't we come to our senses here? Oh my goodness. Did he just call mass immigration into villages peculiar? I am pretty sure that somebody else once used the word peculiar, and that man's name was Adolf Hitler. Conan McGregor is literally Hitler. (laughs) All right, now responding to a, a video of immigrants being dropped off in an Irish village, McGregor wrote, Have you ever seen the likes of this? This, in my opinion, is a crime against the fabric of Irish society. Scared residents of a community watch on helplessly, yet still peacefully, as multiple busloads of people are ushered into their community in blacked-out buses in the dead of night. It's hard enough to secure your own base in Ireland as it is. To think of people who have worked so hard and saved up to secure a home and a community to raise their children. And then out of nowhere, without warning, multiple busloads of people, and from the footage, all adult males, are sworn in, in silence. This is not good for Ireland. Who wants to experience this feeling? There is zero transparency throughout this entire procedure. People of the community are not told who these men are or why they're here. This is what I mean when I say we are at war. You cannot expect the people of Ireland to tolerate this. We will not. Okay, you know what? Jokes aside, he is right. He is absolutely right. Here's how you know that these officials know exactly how sinister and evil what they're doing is. They're not doing it in broad daylight. They're not talking about this cheerfully in their speeches or doing fluff pieces on the TV news about this. No, no, no. They're doing this under the cover of darkness, hiding it, Because they know it's outrageous and people will feel victimized. Because they are being victimized. What's happening here in America and Ireland throughout Europe, this is a crime. So look, you see, just about everything Conor McGregor is saying here in these tweets, these are political opinions. But they're the wrong political opinions. Conor McGregor is not being targeted for being hateful. He's being targeted for having the wrong political opinions. And a lot of people fought for this crap. Like a lot of voters, okay, a lot of people watching the mainstream media, they actually believe what Conor, Conor McGregor is saying is hate speech because these people are ignorant and because they don't think. You know, some people are just very gullible and they're easily tricked. And so a lot of people these days, they confuse, you know, a recognition of the problems of mass migration with a criticism of race. And the truth is mass migration does cause problems. And some cultures are just incompatible with other cultures. And this is often true of Muslims and Christian cultures. It's, this is an ugly truth that people on the left, they want to close their eyes to this. They want to plug their ears. And they want to pretend that it doesn't exist. But it gets particularly bad when the immigrants from these cultures hate the cultures they're immigrating into. And that is a huge problem with many of these Muslim immigrants. I've got a buddy who's like pro-immigration. Yeah, I got a buddy who's pro-immigration. I know, it's crazy. He told me, he goes, you know, but my neighbor is Muslim and they're very nice. And I said, yeah, you know what? Sure, all of my Muslim friends, and I have several Muslim friends, they're all nice too. But you know what? That's not really the point. The point is that a lot of Muslim immigrants are not so nice. And these ones aren't, are not going to be the ones that befriend you. You're probably not going to meet the ones that hate you unless they rob you or do something worse. And it is such a ridiculous irony that we are so strongly against racism in the West, but then we import racists. And not just racists, but racists who are specifically racist against us. <laughs> Why would you do that? And look, this is not a racial issue, but the left always claims that it is. And they confuse people, right? They convince people that any criticism of culture is actually a criticism of race. 
And these two things are very different. For many years, one of my best friends was a Pakistani who grew up in the UK. And honestly, this guy would be one of the first people to criticize Pakistani culture in the UK. I have black friends that severely criticize black culture in America. And these guys say some crazy things, to be honest. I mean, things that I could never get away with saying. And listen, we must be able to criticize culture because some cultures are crap, really. You know, we do not want some cultures in Western countries at all. And the truth is, some Muslim cultures are crap. And look, some are pretty good. Qatar, UAE, Oman, these countries seem to have very good cultures. I haven't visited them, but I look forward to doing so in the near future. But look, it doesn't matter if I say that some Islamic countries have great cultures. Because if I say that some Islamic countries have crap cultures, I'm absolutely going to be labeled by some leftists as a racist. Because that is the primary weapon of the left. They don't care to argue the merits of any idea. They just want to characterize their opponents as bigots in order to make people scared to agree with them. And this is exactly what they did with the Irish rioters the other day. Everyone who went around causing havoc in Ireland has now been labeled right wing by the media over there. And the same thing happened with Brexit, if you remember that. Everybody who voted for Brexit was characterized as right wing, which among leftists is synonymous with racist. And, you know, this is this is a propaganda war. They label anyone right-wing as racist, and then they label anyone who questions them as right-wingers. And nobody wants to be associated with racism, and so there is a certain percentage of the population that will just never associate with right-wing ideas, right-wing values, or even right-wing people, because they're so afraid of being called racist. But the truth is that Brexit voters and those who voted for Millier in Argentina, or those who voted for Gert Velders in uh, the Netherlands, and all those people who rioted in the streets of Dublin the other day, these are not far-right people. These are normal people, centrists. It is not far-right to advocate limited legal immigration and to end illegal immigration, especially of immigrants who hate your country, hate your religion, and hate your people. It is not far-right to criticize cultures that have completely different and appalling, in some cases, sets of ethics, ethics that are completely different from your own. It is not far right to want to protect your way of life and your culture and the jobs of your family members and those within your own culture. It is not far right to believe that it's simply a matter of taste to like or dislike exotic ethnic foods or music or fashion or language. These are things that should be true of everyone. Everyone should recognize the problems with illegal immigration and mass migration. In fact, if you don't recognize these problems, it does not mean you are an elevated progressive. It means you're a moron. And so when you hear somebody say, this is an attack on conservatives, as I often say, or an attack on the right or the far right or Republicans here in the U.S., or whatever, any of this kind of stuff, this isn't exactly right. Oftentimes, this, these things are really just attacks on the center. They're attacks on common sense. These are attacks on normal. Because you know what? It is abnormal to say that a man can be a woman if he cuts his junk off. It is abnormal to say that obesity is healthy. It is abnormal to kneel to black people out of a sense of collective white guilt. The point I'm trying to make here is what the left calls far right is actually the center. They started playing this game a while back demanding a shift in the Overton window or a shift in what is perceived to be acceptable or normal in regular society. And this shift has worked. Homosexuality is perceived to be normal now. Communism is considered by most college students as preferable to capitalist democracies. And white people are reviled as evil colonists. However, they've not shifted it as much as they would like. And so now they've pivoted. Instead of trying to shift the Overton window, now they've decided on a new tack. Now they want to criminalize speech. When you think about it, all law, all legislation is about the restriction of freedom. That's exactly what we're doing here, is we are restricting freedom, but we're doing it for the common good. You will see throughout our constitution, yes, you have rights, but they are restricted for the common good. Everything needs to be balanced. And if your views on other people's identities go to make their lives unsafe, insecure, and cause them such deep discomfort that they cannot live in peace, then I believe that it is our job as legislators 
to restrict those freedoms for the common good. The Twitter user known as Doge Official CEO made the comedic yet probably accurate observation that if you dare make a meme in Ireland, you may be raided by a special forces team. And Elon Musk backed this up by writing, language being proposed as law in Ireland mean, means that this could literally happen to you for having a meme on your phone. And why can't we talk about the immigrant problem? Is it really because leftists think that we're racist? Maybe in part, but they also know that there are legitimate problems caused by mass immigration. So why not just be human about this? Why not just speak about these problems and the reasons we might want immigrants from around the world coming to this country or coming to Ireland or whatever? Why not just discuss this civilly? Why arrest people that you don't like just for talking about this stuff? Well, it's because if we talk about this, the truth will eventually be exposed. And they really do not want the truth exposed. And the truth is, of course, that immigrants tend to vote left. They tend to vote left because leftists around the world have effectively lied for decades about the right. That is, they've convinced the world that conservatives are racist. And immigrants, well, they don't want to vote for racist political parties, and so they vote left. The irony, of course, is that most immigrants are, in fact, conservative. Like, like if you had an immigrant take a survey, a, a typical immigrant, take a survey on political issues, they would be rated far right. But because of this one lie that conservatives are racist, because of this lie being so effective, immigrants are almost always tricked into voting left, especially the children of immigrants. This is why I despise the left so much. All of their political capital is accumulated by lies. The more effective they are at lying, the more political capital they have. The more gullible the electorate, the more political capital they have. And immigrants who don't speak perfect English they are a prime target for these degenerates. And what I think is quite baffling about Ireland is they actually elected one of the most vile leftists in the world as the leader of their country. The prime minister of Ireland is this guy, Leo Varadkar. Varadkar? Varadkar? I don't know how to pronounce his stupid name. Leo is, of course, a gay Indian atheist. Because of course he is. Of course that would be the leader of Ireland. Of course, well, that's of course who you would elect, right? But yeah, yeah, no, no. This is the guy that the Irish people have elected as their leader. A gay Indian atheist. The Irish people who are predominantly straight, white, and Catholic. In fact, I'll give you the numbers. Straight, 96%. White, 91.7%. Catholic, about 75%. And yet, they elect as their prime minister a gay Indian atheist. What the hell is wrong with you people? Okay, and before you get all upset about my criticism of the Irish people for electing a gay Indian dude, let me just double down on that. You see, it's been a trend for a long time now, both in Europe and in the United States, to elevate people of color, to elevate women, to elevate gay people. It doesn't matter if you're charming or talented or intelligent or hardworking or a good person. Nah, nah, nah. None of that old-fashioned stuff matters anymore. What matters is that you're brown or you're a female or that you're gay. That's all that matters. And if you're a brown gay man who's transitioned into a woman and become female, well, that's just the best one of all, isn't it? Look, obviously, I find this kind of trend, probably the most idiotic kind of trend ever in history. And to be honest, I actually think it's a little bit infantilizing to those people because I think leftists tend to look at gay people and women and ethnic minorities like little puppies or kittens, harmless, cuddly little pets to be patted on the head and told they're a good boy. Of course, much like exotic animals that people sometimes think of as cuddly and harmless, sometimes these pets destroy the house and kill their masters. And that is exactly what's happening here in Ireland. Because you see, as I said before, not all immigrants actually like the people of their adopted country. Sometimes they hate them. But of course, that is the primary instinct of many leftists anyway, so it's difficult to tell if the Prime Minister of Ireland's hatred is born from his homosexuality or his foreign roots or just from his leftist ideology. The truth is, I don't know. It's probably influenced by all three of these things. All I know for sure is that this gay Indian leader of Ireland is destroying Ireland. And it's really the fault of the Irish people. At the end of the day, it's their fault for letting the wolf in the door. They got him into office. 
And if you're not convinced that he's a total dirtbag, then let me show you why I hate this guy so much. This degenerate Prime Minister of Ireland went on TV after the riots and, although he did mention the despicable attempted murder of the children, his focus seemed primarily on the rioters. Here's what he said. Yesterday evening, some people decided that the best way to respond to this terrible attack was to take to the streets of Dublin and try to terrify, intimidate, loot and destroy. Those involved brought shame on Dublin, brought shame on Ireland and brought shame on their families and themselves. These criminals did not do what they did because they love Ireland. They did not do what they did because they wanted to protect Irish people. They did not do it out of any sense of patriotism, however warped. They did so because they're filled with hate. They love violence, they love chaos, and they love causing pain to others. To all those cowardly champions of Ireland who took to the streets of Dublin last night, let me say one thing. Ask your sisters, ask your friends, ask everyone you know what they fear most on our streets. They're afraid of you, afraid of your anger and your rage, afraid of your violence, your hate, and how you blame others for your problems. Being Irish means more than saluting the tricolour, beating your chest and pointing to where you were born. And also, we'll modernise our laws against incitement to hatred and hatred in general. And that is more required than ever was the case before. What a piece of human garbage. I hate this guy. If he were a good leader, what he would have said is, we hear you, Ireland, and we understand your frustrations. We messed up. We do have an immigration problem. We will fix this. That's what he should have said. And you know what's funny? After writing this script, right, because I scripted that out. I'm reading this off of a teleprompter. After I wrote that on my computer, that concept of what a good prime minister would say, I started looking through the tweets of Conor McGregor. I was looking through the tweets to find examples of his hate speech, right? And you know what I found? (laughs) I found an absolutely brilliant tweet. And you're not going to believe this, but it's almost exactly what I just said a great prime minister should say. Connor wrote, I do not condone last night's riots. I do not condone any attacks on our first responders and their, their line of duty. I do not condone looting and the damaging of shops. Last night's scenes achieved nothing toward fixing the issues we face. I do understand frustrations, however. And I do understand a move must be made to ensure the change we need is ushered in and fast. I am in the process of arranging. Believe me, I am way more tactical and I have backing. There will be a change in Ireland, mark my words. The change needed. In the last month, innocent children stabbed leaving school. Ashling Murphy murdered. Two Sligo men decapitated. This is not Ireland's future. If they do not act soon with their plan of action to ensure Ireland's safety, I will. (laughs) So there you go. Conor McGregor indicating that he is willing to take over the government of Ireland in order to fix the problems there. And I am all for it. Go Conor McGregor. Because Ireland needs leadership from somebody like Conor McGregor desperately. Their current guy, he has failed to say this, what I just read you. He has failed to say anything like this and he will never, never implement any effective solutions to any problems that Ireland is facing. How can he implement effective solutions if he doesn't even recognize the problems. He claims that the problem is right-wing extremism. And of course he does, because he is a deranged leftist. And look, if you're not convinced that this guy is a complete moron and incapable of being an effective prime minister, just before condemning justifiably frustrated Irishmen as far-right extremists, he made another idiotic statement. Again, the Irish Prime Minister has put his foot in here. He's posted, this is a day of enormous joy and relief for Emily Hand and her family, an innocent child who was lost. Lost? Has now been lost. found and returned and we breathe a massive sigh of relief. Our prayers have been answered. She wasn't lost she and was... found and returned like a pair of sunglasses. Uh. She was kidnapped by the Islamist terrorists of Hamas. He knows precisely what he's doing with that language. This Irish PM, too, is a real clown. He's a real joke, and we need to talk about him more next week because, you know, there was that incident in Dublin where an Algerian migrant stabbed kids 
and there were riots because people were so upset with the migration situation in Ireland. Now, he is proposing, what's he going to do? Crack down on migration? No, Not. he's going to crack down on free speech. And he's yes. been saying that he's going to introduce new bills to allow the police to check your phone or to punish you for having the wrong memes and hate speech on your phone. And this is why people like Geert Wilders wind up winning elections because they say, no, it's not far right. It's common sense. <laughs> so this guy is standard leftist scum, and he needs to be voted out of office, maybe even removed before an official election. Just get this guy out of there. And then Ireland needs to get into office an Irish Donald Trump, an Irish Gert Wilder, an Irish Javier Millier. Ireland, you need a badass to lead your country out of this disaster. And who might that badass be? Well, of course, it would have to be Conor McGregor. Honestly, it would be an epic victory for the people of Ireland. And I have promised to end this video with a solution to our immigration problems here in the US and in Europe. So here it is. It's not enough that we elect conservative politicians. We must demand that those politicians take drastic action against the immigration problem. So here's the, my two-pronged approach, which I recommend in every developed nation with an immigrant problem. One, deport criminals. Now this seems obvious and yet it's rarely done. If a criminal is an illegal immigrant or even a legal immigrant, that person must be deported. And I don't mean for murder or something vicious like that. I mean for anything. And okay, yeah, severity of crimes must be considered. So maybe not jaywalking, but basically anything worse than that. And here's where my method will become controversial. In countries with particularly severe immigration situations, we must also deport the immigrant families of the immigrant criminals. And many people will think that this is unjust. But here's the thing. If the criminal had been raised better, they would not be criminals. So yeah, the responsibility is not just with the criminal, but with the family that raised him and the culture that influenced him. So yeah, the parents, the siblings, the spouse, and the children all must be deported. I recommend this most highly for the UK, Ireland, Sweden, Germany, Italy, and France. But really, any country can employ this method. Two, to encourage illegal aliens to self-deport, and they will self-deport, we must impose outrageously high fines on any businesses that hire illegal aliens. And I'm talking like $100,000 per illegal. Businesses will just stop hiring illegal aliens. You can't sustain life in a country where you can't make any money. And so they will all just go home. Illegal immigrants will all be gone. And that goes for European countries as well. It's, it's a quick and easy solution. It's like Governor Gavin Newsom cleaning up San Francisco for Xi Jinping. It can be done easily. The question is simply, do we want to do it? Because we seem to be at a fork in the road right now. We, we can go down a path of authoritarian control, dictating what political ideas are allowed to be tweeted, a path of open borders, letting leftist politicians flood our cities and small towns with illegal immigrants in order to stack the deck in their favor come the next generation of voters, or... We can go down the path of reason, removing the illegal aliens and criminal immigrants from our borders. And I really do think that this is a binary choice. I don't think there's any room for compromise anymore. We tried that for decades. And when we compromise, we slide further and further down the path of authoritarian government control. All right, remember to buy all my overpriced crap on Teespring or support me on Patreon so that I can keep making these videos for you guys. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. And remember, it's not that the liberal friends are ignorant. It's just they know so much that is not so. Good night. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man.